Ephesians chapter 1. And I want to read there starting in verse 7 where we left off last week as we're continuing our new series going through the book of Ephesians one verse at a time or verse by verse. And and just rejoicing over what the Lord has there for us. So in Ephesians 1 and verse 7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace that he richly poured out on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure that he purposed in Christ as a plan for the right time to bring everything together in Christ, both things in heaven and things on earth in him. In him, we also received an inheritance because we were predestined according to the plan of the one who works out everything in agreement with the purpose of his will. Come on. (laughs) So that we who had already put our hope in Christ may bring praise to his glory. In him, you also were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and when you believed. The Holy Spirit is the down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of the possession to the praise of his glory. Let's pray over the word as we receive this morning. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you in it reveal to us your character, your will, your redemptive plan and your purpose for our life. I thank you, Lord, that it is a bright light that shines a path for our feet for us to walk. I thank you that in it we find life and health to all of our flesh. And we thank you for it in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. So as we continue here in the book of Ephesians. Uh, one thing that just stuck, stuck out to me as I was studying and thinking on this and reading on this um, is that we're kind of like, uh, oftentimes, oftentimes we are kind of like secret agents, right? Except we get to be the kind of backward secret agents. Normally a secret agent knows who they are, but nobody else knows, right? Christians, we tend to be like the secret agents where we don't know who it is that we are. We keep it a secret from ourselves. And I was thinking on that when it comes to talking about these benefits. We read in Psalm 103 about forget not all of the benefits that we have in Christ. I was talking to a saint not too long ago and uh, they they had expressed that they said, you know, I've 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 got it on my heart to to sit down and talk with someone uh, professionally about my mental health. And I said, I think that's a good idea. I don't think that's going to hurt you at all. I think that's good. And they said, I'm going to start to look. You know, it may be expensive. I don't know. And I said, okay. And I was thinking about it later. And I said, you know, where I work, as part of our insurance package, our benefits package, we have what they call an EAP or an employee assistance program, you know, where you can call and talk to a certified, qualified you know, counselor, whether it's grief counselor, uh, you know, counselor relating to, you know, dr- drug addiction, alcoholism, all the different things that people can be trained in. Right. And it's already paid for by the company that I work for where I could just call and it's available. And so I, I, I got with them. I said, you really need to check me knowing where it is that you work. You may have this available to you and you didn't even know it. And sure enough, they called and checked and said, you know what? I did have it available. It was already paid for. I didn't have to pay a dime for it. 
I've met with a person over the phone a couple of times already, and it's been a great encouragement to me. It's already been a help. And so my point is there was a benefit there that was available that they didn't know about, that they were going to benefit from, but they didn't know they had access to it. And that's what we're going to see as we continue in the book of Ephesians. Some of the things we have access to that he's done for us that we may not be taking advantage of, that we may not fully understand is available to us. And if you'll commit to hear it, to read it, and to hear it as we go through it, I believe it'll radically affect how you see God and how you see yourself in Him. Because we can kind of be like, you know, one of our favorite movie plots is where somebody loses their memory, right? They take a bonk on the head or something like that, and they've, they've lost their memory, and what do, they, what do they need? They have to constantly be reminded who they are. Here's who you are. Here's who I am in your life. Here's everything that's gone on. Here, here, here's who you are, and we need to continue to have our mind renewed in Christ Jesus so that we can be transformed into the image that he would have us to be. And so we, we've gone through almost this whole section here, verse 3 through 14, 12 verses of praise to open this letter from Paul, the apostle, inspired by the Holy Spirit to the church at Ephesus about what Christ has done for believers, what he's doing in them and what he's doing in the world, what he's already done in eternity. Pretty big scope stuff. And Paul is using it to teach them and to teach us, but he's also just overwhelmed with what God has already done. And he's walking through it with them. And we get down to verse 11, which is where we're going to start today. And it says, in him, in who? In Christ, we also have an inheritance. And it can also be translated, say, in Christ, we also are an inheritance. In him, we have an inheritance and we're also his inheritance. But right here in verse 11, when it says in him, we also have an inheritance. He's not talking about me. He's not talking about me right there. At first, I thought he was talking about me. He's not talking about me right there when he says we. He's talking about believing Israel. The people of God from the Old Testament believing Israel who already had put their hope in Christ. We're going to see more in chapter 2 when he's talking about bringing unity between the Jew and the Gentile. But when he says that there, we already have received this inheritance. He's talking about believing Israel. And it makes us think back to the Old Testament. And we'll, we've seen this some as we've been talking through the book of Hebrews 11 on Wednesday nights where we're seeing what God's doing, right? We made it through Moses. We made it through the Exodus. We see the tribes of Israel come out of Egypt. And then where do they go? They go to the promised land. And when they get to the promised land, what does God do? He divides it up amongst them to give them their inheritance. They have land in that land because of him. It's from him. So when you hear this inheritance, this is what one of the things that it's referencing to or to steer your mind towards that kind of thought. This is what's coming to you from God. But again, here he's talking about them. And in that situation, I don't know if you remember or not, we're not going to spend a lot of time on it. 
But there was one of the tribes that didn't get any land like the other ones got at least. They did get some cities that they were supposed to live in. They ended up being also cities of refuge. That's something that'll preach, but I don't have time today. But the Levites didn't get an inheritance in the land like everybody else did. And he said, they're not getting any land in this inheritance because the Lord himself is their inheritance. He is theirs and they are his. They're not getting land like the others are. They're getting the Lord. That the Lord is their inheritance. That's Deuteronomy chapter 10 verse 9. And you can see in that where we're very similar because we'll see that our inheritance is in Christ. It says, in him, we also received an inheritance. He's talking about believing Israel. But then, in verse 13, it says, in him, you also were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and when you believed. This is the part that's talking about me. In him, Stephen also was sealed with the Holy Spirit, the promised Holy Spirit, when he heard the word of truth, the gospel of his salvation, and when he believed. Now we're going to loop back to this sealed with the promised Holy Spirit because I want to get to that. But it says, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel, and when you believed. The word of truth, who God is, who we are, thankfully for us in Christ is also good news because before the word of truth just by itself wasn't going to be good news to us outside of Christ we weren't going to get an inheritance we didn't have anything coming to us not anything good but the word of truth also becomes the good news or the gospel of our salvation the truth that we heard and Believed For somebody to hear it, that means it must be told, right? That's why we continue to tell it. You heard and believed. He said, believing Israel already had an inheritance. Then you, the Gentiles, heard and believed the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. And when that happened... You were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. When you believed, the promised Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead, the presence of God that we enjoy in the earth today, the Holy Spirit. In when we were going through the book of Acts and what the Lord brought to my memory, when Stephen, the martyr, the first Christian martyr, was preaching his sermon, he got to the point where he said, will God dwell on the earth with us? Where will God dwell? Where will his footstool be? Will God once again dwell with us? And he talked about how he's not going to dwell in temples made by human hands. He's not going to dwell in temples made by human hands. Our desire is to be with God, whether we realize it or not. That is our desire. We try to fulfill it with a lot of other things. But our desire is to be with him. And that wondering in our heart, will I ever feel like 
I want to feel? Will I ever be like I want to be? Will I ever have the satisfaction and the peace and the joy that I so much desire that only comes from being with him? Where will God dwell and will he dwell with me? And Ephesians is talking about this promised Holy Spirit. In Ezekiel, I want to turn there just really quickly and read to you really almost just one verse. Maybe it was one verse in Galatians. I'll get to Galatians too. Ezekiel 36 and 24. For I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and will bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you'll be clean. I'll cleanse you from all your impurities and all your idols. The other things that we would worship besides him. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Watch this. I will place my spirit within you and cause you to follow my statutes and carefully observe my ordinances. The promised Holy Spirit. Also in the book of Joel. In the last days, I'll pour out my spirit. On who? All flesh. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Where Jesus talked about it, you can go to the end of the Luke. You can go to the beginning of Acts. Where he talks about you'll receive power when the spirit comes. He promised, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to send you a comforter. I'm going to send you a helper. I'm going to send you the spirit. I am going to dwell with you. Said Galatians chapter three, just one to the left of Ephesians. And 13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us because it is written, cursed is everyone who's hung on a tree. The purpose was that the blessing of Abraham would come to the Gentiles by Christ Jesus so that we could receive the promised spirit through faith. That he would dwell with us. That he would be present with us. And we know that he's present. We'll get to that. He's present in us as believers. Jesus said, he's been with you. He will be in you. When Paul was preaching to the Greeks at the Areopagus, he said, the living God doesn't live in temples made by human hands. He's not served with human hands. It says we are sealed with this promised Holy Spirit. Now this sealing is something that we don't, you know, we don't use this language as much now. We would think about it differently. To be sealed. It says when you heard, when you believed, you were sealed with this promised Holy Spirit. It's almost like being branded. Being marked. You know, like you would mark cattle. This is what ranch, this head of cattle belongs to. This is where it belongs. This is who it belongs to. There's an ownership aspect to that 
seal. Even a destination aspect, right? When we travel, when we go on airplanes, what do we do to our luggage? We put a tag on it. It says, this is who this belongs to. This is mine. Don't think you can just pick it up and walk off with it, which I'm always nervous about. Somebody's going to do that, right? This is who this belongs to. It's like a signature again, like a label. See, back then you couldn't easily counterfeit an official seal or a mark. You know, the, the kings or the rulers would even have it on their ring so they could press it into melted wax or warmed wax so that you would know when you got that letter that it was actually from the throne of the king. That it was actually from someone with authority. It carried authority. It carried ownership. It carried their name. It brought validity to what was being sent and or marked. So when it says we've been sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, it means we now belong to God Almighty. We are now His. We are now under His authority. And we'll get more as we get further into this. Who did we belong to before? Right? Not ourselves. We'll get more into that. He claims us. He confirms us by abiding with us, with the promised Holy Spirit. Looking at Galatians again. Galatians 4 and verse 4. It said, when the time came to completion, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law. So that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then God has made you an heir. When you believe. When you heard the word of truth, the gospel, and you believe, this is what he says happened to you. Christ came so that he could redeem those under the law and that so we might receive adoption as sons. And we read about that. You go back earlier in Ephesians 1, right? He has adopted us. He's chosen us. And we receive it and the spirit tells us and confirms to us that we've received it. It said the spirit of the son comes flying into your heart so that you can rightfully and truthfully call him father because he wasn't our father before. We have been sealed with this promised Holy Spirit. When our eyes have been opened By the Spirit. He confirms first in our hearts that we've been adopted. And then second, we see it bear out in our life. The Spirit that's on the inside of you as a believer. When you believe, when you heard the word of truth, He begins to open your eyes to God's will for your life. And He enables you to walk in it. He enables you to walk in it. This is what happened when we called on Jesus. 
This is what happened when we called on Jesus to redeem us by his blood. That was the only way it could be done. We talked about that last week. To forgive our sins and our trespasses because we couldn't stand in front of a holy God with the sins and trespasses that we had. He had to forgive us. And then he gave us the Holy Spirit on the inside of us, sealed us, that we belong to him. That he's Lord over my life. The Spirit seals me, as it says in Ephesians, and He fills my heart, as it says in Galatians. And He teaches us to do God's will. And then He enables us to do what He's teaching us to do. Aren't you thankful for that? To walk in it? So as a believer, I hope this has happened to you. If not, it will as you continue to walk with the Lord. Has anybody ever told you, there's just something different about you? I don't know why. You're not like everybody else. You don't handle things like everybody else. There's just something different about you. That's the spirit on the inside of you. They're able to sense it. They know that it's there. They're experiencing it. It's not just you being awesome. You may be awesome, but you're not that awesome. Right? They'll say, why are you calm when everybody else is upset? Why are you able to to have peace and be okay even when everything's going wild, right? Don't you care? What's different? You've got a different spirit on the inside of you. That something different is the spirit showing up. The seal showing through that you don't belong to yourself anymore. You don't belong to those old masters. You belong to God Almighty. And he's revealing to you his will and he's enabling you to walk in it. He has given us, it says in Philippians, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Or an easier way to say it is he's given us the desire and the ability to do what pleases him. We did not have it before. You cannot work up the energy to do it on your own. It comes from him and walking with him. We got a question box question by the Holy Spirit. I think we're going to get to it on Wednesday night. It's nothing spooky. It'll be a good one, though. He seals us. He marks us. He validates us. So we've been sealed by the Holy Spirit when we believe. Look what happens next. That was verse uh, 13. Look at 14. Ephesians 1, 14. I know I've been jumping around a little bit more today, but we're in Ephesians here on out, I think. Ephesians 1.14. The Holy Spirit is the down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of the possession to the praise of His glory. The Holy Spirit is the down payment of our inheritance. You see how that worked? He started out with, we believe in Israel have an inheritance. He said, you, the Gentiles, have believed, and now we, everybody together, has an inheritance. It says the Spirit is the down payment, or another way to say that word is a guarantee of the inheritance. That Greek word there is erabon, and it means a pledge or a down payment. The way I understand it, the modern Greek term Arabone, you know what it you know what they use it for? A wedding ring. One. 
a commitment, a down payment, an initial offering of a lifelong relationship. It's what we think of in a business situation that makes a contract more valid, right? I'm going to commit to buy this property from you and I'm going to put $5,000 down earnest money to let you know I'm serious so that you'll sign this contract and you're going to know between me and you it's valid. And what are you knowing? That I'm going to pay it in full. That whatever we've agreed upon for the price, this down payment is the symbol of my intent to pay everything. My intent to pay all of it and to own it completely. That the rest is on the way. It's a deposit on a purchase, like at the car lot. When you pay them to hold, I'm going to pay you this to hold the car until I can get everything else to buy it from you in full. It says the Holy Spirit is the down payment. The Holy Spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance. Again, before it was Paul and believing Israel, I was over here. Then he said, well, now you've heard and received the word of truth. Now you have the promised Holy Spirit. And now the spirit that you have, that we also have, is the down payment of our inheritance. It's the guarantee of our inheritance. And the inheritance isn't land in Canaan. It's not 40 acres on the other side of the Jordan. That's not what we're getting. We are like the Levites whose inheritance is the Lord himself. He is our inheritance. That's why the spirit is the down payment. The spirit on the inside of us is the down payment because he is our inheritance. And again, we are his. When do you get your inheritance? Huh? Yeah, when somebody dies, right? You don't get your inheritance until the person who's left it for you dies. Why? Because they may still need it down here, right? <laughs> they may still be using it for a while. Like, I can't give it to you now. I think they got to eat, right? But you get your inheritance when they die. Christ died for us, and yet he lives. Paul talked about that too. He's like, you, you can't have the last will and testament. Nobody reads the last will and testament until the testator has died because it's not in effect until then. But he died for us to accomplish this. And yet he lives and we have an inheritance in him that the spirit is the down payment of. I'm telling you, we're like the Levites, that the Lord is our inheritance. First Peter I told you I won't go anywhere else. I'm going to go here, but I wrote it down. First Peter chapter two and verse nine says, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, I mean, you weren't a part of this. Once you were not a people, you were on your own. You ever feel on your own? You were. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Think about the spirit is the down payment of your inheritance. Think about all that you've enjoyed 
and God so far in your life. All that he's done for you so far, uh, all that you've enjoyed, his presence. How many of you enjoy just God being present with you? Just knowing that he's there. That's one of the things the Holy Spirit does is I know that he's there. I enjoy his presence. He's teaching me his word. I'm learning who he is. I'm learning how this life and this old world really works and what its only hope is. And I'm learning more and I've been enjoying that. I enjoy the people of God who have the same spirit on the inside of them that I have on the inside of me. And there's a kinship there. That's why we're brothers and sisters in Christ because we were adopted into the same family. I've enjoyed all of that. And I want to keep on enjoying it. And it's still only the down payment of all that's coming. It's still only a foretaste of the feast that we will enjoy for all of eternity in him. He said this promised Holy Spirit, which is amazing, is only the beginning. It's only the beginning for us. As believers, this life that he has implanted implanted in you, the spirit of God that lives on the inside of you, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. Scripture says dwells within you. It partakes in the quality of heaven and brings that into the inside of you. In a measure, you can't handle all of it. But in a measure It brings it here to you. And the good work that he's begun, Scripture says, he will bring it to completion. He doesn't lie. He doesn't well-shown contracts. If he made the down payment, the rest will be and is going to be paid in full. He's not trying to, you know, scrimp together and get it all. That's not why we're still here. Why are we still here? It's been paid for. And so the fullness of the Gentile scripture would say can come in. So the fullness of all of those who are out there in darkness, all of those who would come, whosoever would come, would come. He will complete it. Do you ever feel like you're unfinished? But <laughs> I still feel like I'm a work in progress because you are. You absolutely are. You're a good work in progress by a good workman and you are yet still in process. But you have the down payment. You've been born again and you're growing up into the righteousness, the right standing that he has for you into the likeness of the one that you were born after. You're starting to look like your father in heaven. We're unfinished because we are, but he will finish the work. And it says here, the Holy Spirit is the down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of the possession. That means when he gets us all the way back to the praise of his glory. It's the third time in these 12 verses that he says to the praise of his glory. One of them, he says to the praise of his glorious grace. I told you, he is taking this not just to tell us something, but he's recounting in a worshipful attitude all that God has already done with eyes set on what he's still going to do. And we need to be a part of that. How often do you praise his glory? 
Do you not just bring to him your needs, your wants, your desires, your problems, but do you come and go, I'm just in awe of what you've already done. I'm just in awe of what you've already done for me. We sang it last week. When I think about the Lord. When I think about the Lord, it makes me want to shout. Because of all that he's already done. You placed my feet on solid ground. I was stumbling around before. You saved me, raised me, filled me with the Holy Ghost, filled me with your spirit. And you've healed me of my hurts. You've healed me of my wounds. You're taking me where it is that I've always wanted to go. For all that he's done. See, again, we're learning. Paul is just praising. He wasn't even trying to teach right here. He's just praising God for what God has already done. Why? Because he came here to dwell with us. He's come to dwell with us and he's going to bring us into full dwelling with him. Kelly and I went last night to watch the movie The Blind, uh, which is the little backstory and history of Phil Robertson, the guy who was the, the granddaddy of the Duck family, the Duck Commander folks down in West Monroe. And it had just one of the sweetest and simplest presentations of the gospel, which it'll present the gospel in that movie. I'm telling you, it's good. Um, but the preacher said to him, he said, you know, Phil, so, so many of our stories have to do with man climbing the mountain. Man ascending on high to show that he's worthy, to show that he's somebody, to show that he's good enough, to prove that he can be a God, that a man can become a God. He said, but this old, old story is about a God who came down the mountain. God who came down the mountain for us, even though he could see from where he was that we weren't good enough. He came to be good for us. He came graciously to die a death that we owed. He didn't know it. To die for us so that we could live in him. He saw us at our worst and gave us his best. To the praise of his glory. All praise to him. He did all of this, everything from verse 3 to 14. He did it for you. And as we read it, we can learn who we are. We can learn about those benefits that are available to us because we're not walking in the fullness of it. We're not. We're not. We can't because it's unlimited. We need to know all that he has available for us. And we can never, ever, ever forget who it was that accomplished it and why. Because if I, and I'm almost done, if I ever get to thinking it's because it was me that I'm starting to get off. I flinch a little bit when I hear messages that only focus on your worth. Look, you need to have good self-esteem. I want you to have good self-esteem, but I want you to get it from the right place. This idea 
that you were a prince or a princess that was just mistakenly at the orphanage. <laughs> that you were just mistakenly at the poorhouse. And the king realized, he was like, oh my goodness, I can't believe we let you get down over there. Let me, come on up out of there. You don't, you don't belong there. No, that's absolutely where I belonged. I was impoverished in my lack of righteousness, my inability to even be good, think good. I couldn't do it. That's absolutely where I belonged. And he still came and got me. That, re- that sets me free more than thinking, well, Stephen, you were really awesome. You just needed to be cleaned up a little bit. Uh-uh. No. Because nothing awesome about sin, and I was covered up in it. Covered up in it. But you know who is awesome? The one who came, even seeing me like I was, came to save me, redeem me by his blood, forgive my trespasses according to the riches of his grace and pour out on me wisdom and understanding, making known to me the mystery of his will according to the good pleasure that he purposed in Christ Jesus. He didn't do it on accident. He didn't do it on a whim. He predetermined before the foundations of the earth that even though that's where I was, he was going to come get me where I was and take me to where he is to the praise of his glorious grace. Amen. I got faith. Father, let's pray. Father, we do praise you. When we think about all that you have done for us, Lord, we are overwhelmed. We are moved to praise because how can we do anything else? You've been so good to us and we didn't deserve it. You did it for us by grace in Christ Jesus. And Lord, I thank you that as we walk through this book of Ephesians, you're beginning to teach us more about who you are, what you've done, and who we are in you. And there is not a better story available. There is not a better story out there than our Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, I thank you that you were there when we cried Jesus to redeem us by your blood, to forgive our sins, and to adopt us as your family to give us your Holy Spirit on the inside of us. Oh, we could talk forever about all the benefits of just having you here dwelling with us. But I thank you that you sent the Holy Spirit to begin the work of dwelling with us. Lord, that for, as the old song says, oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. We are an heir now of salvation. And we have this inheritance in Christ that the Spirit is the down payment of that you are our Lord and our King and we'll be with you forever. I thank you that that's our hope in life and in death. If we live today, our hope is Christ. If we die tonight, our hope is Christ. And I thank you, Lord, for that work. Lord, as we get ready to go, I thank you that we leave in peace and unity with one another. Lord, I thank you for the body of Christ that I get to be a part of. I thank you for the great encouragement and all the many benefits and blessings that I've received as being a part of it. And I thank you, Lord, that that, again, is only a foretaste of what's to come. You've been good. You'll continue to be good. Lord, strengthen us as we go through this week and give us peace. I thank you that the joy of knowing you is our strength that you'll give us eyes of faith to see things the way that you see things so we won't get worked up about things we shouldn't and we'll hold fast to the things that we should. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.